Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. What do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life, and I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, Heal Squad. Welcome back to another great day here. Today, we are going to be honoring Pancreas Cancer Awareness Month with our guest. I'm very excited to share with you today. We'll start with our quote of the day, though. We should all focus on doing the good we want to do in this world and take care of the people we love. We just need to do it as our healthiest selves. That, friends, is from Pam Marquat. She is our guest today. Um, very excited to support her organization, PanCan. Uh, Pam and I share a lot of similarities. We both have had our moms get devastating diagnoses and have had to help them through. And it's changed the course of our lives and our missions. And so I'm really excited to share with you today. Her mother, after a fierce six-month battle, succumbed to the devastating grip of pancreatic cancer. In the face of grief and frustration, Pam Marquardt realized there was no dedicated organization to support those who are affected by pancreas cancer. So she decided to start her own organization 
and she rallied and brought together celebrity families who had lost loved ones to pancreatic cancer and created this incredible gala and raised just enough money to start research and hire a researcher. This was all before anybody had been doing anything for this. It's amazing, actually, when you hear how many celebrities had been affected by pancreatic cancer that she was able to bring together to this gala and raise this money. And now she's raised millions and millions and millions of dollars. She is a fierce force in this world and is helping all of us who are affected by pancreas cancer every single day. It's her mission. Um, she's a voice of hope and an agent of change. And we are so excited to have her on the show to share with us what advances have taken place with pancreatic cancer, what they're doing with research and clinical trials, and also, of course, the symptoms you should be looking out for and the history you should know so that you can really focus on early detection and, and help improve um, outcomes. So with that, Here's my conversation with Pam Marquardt. Um, so Pam, tell us a little bit about your journey that led you to start PanCan, this great organization, of course, that's about raising awareness for pancreatic cancer. I know we have very similar journeys. And as I saw you at the PanCan ambassador shoot that we were at recently, we started touching on some of it. It all started about 27 years ago when I stood in a hospital room with my mother and the doctor said, you've got cancer in your pancreas. And my first thought was, okay, because I'm very proactive, that okay, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What's the next step? And the doctor simply stared down at his shoes. And I thought, oh, this is not good. This is not good. So I took a moment to kind of compose myself. And the first thing that crossed my mind was, oh my gosh, this is what Michael Landon had. And I recalled that he did not last long once he got diagnosed, because I remember he went on national TV and he was the first person ever to talk about the fact that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, with all of his quote unquote celebrity and his resources. And if he didn't last long, how on earth am I going to save my mother? And you'll laugh at this, but you got to remember this was back in June of 1996. I had just actually gotten my first computer. My mother, of course, made fun of me because she was an executive secretary to the dean of engineering at the local university. So she would laugh at me when I would call, mom, how do I get out of this program? How do I turn this off? So I thought, well, I know I will go on this new World Wide Web and I will find the organization that deals with pancreatic cancer. Well, guess what? I went on and there was nothing of the sort anywhere in the world. The only thing that I found was a small chat group in the early days of chat groups that was provided by a pathologist at Johns Hopkins. And there was maybe a handful of people on it. So I thought, okay, here's some other people that are going through the same thing or something similar as I am. So I will find out from them what they've learned along the way. So it kind of started there. My mom um, was told initially that she wasn't a candidate for surgery. 
And then I called a friend that was on the board at UCLA and he said, come have her, have her here in the morning. And there was a surgeon that said, I think there's a 10% chance that I may be able to resect her tumor. Cause I guess it was pushing up against that main mesenteric artery from the head of the pancreas, which is quite common when the tumor gets large. So, and they confirmed she had adenocarcinoma, adenocarcinoma, okay, Correct. which is the, the one you don't want. Well, it's the more common one. It and is the definitely the more common and it's definitely more aggressive than its much smaller counterpart, the neuroendocrine, which is what I had, which is what you had. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it was interesting. So halfway through the surgery, the doctor came out and he said, we can't get it. He said, she's got three to six months and um, that's it. So, oof, yeah, that's tough to hear because yeah. my mom was 67 at the time. So young. And now that I'm beyond that age, I realized that really was young. Yeah. But at the time, you know, I was thinking, oh, well, you know, she's a little older, <laughs> but it wasn't at all. And um, so I went back to the chat board and just started poking around and went on the internet to see what I could find. And it's interesting because one of the things that I found, and, you know, I always say I'm a big believer in the universe, just that things happen for a reason. You don't run across things or people mm -hmm. without there being a reason why you should pay attention. So I had, I had run across a website for a Mr. David Mirish. He was part of the Mirish family in Hollywood. And David had a company where he produced, well, didn't produce, but he provided celebrities for fundraising events to raise money. And I thought, you know, this is so random that I would run across that. Let me just hang on to that for a minute. So I remember printing it out, mm -hmm. not knowing how meaningful it would become to me. And I started noticing that not just Michael Landon, but a lot of other celebrities had lost their lives to pancreatic cancer. And nobody ever talked about it. Who? I mean, we know about Michael Landon. I had forgotten about him, actually. Patrick Swayze. And Patrick's one of the more recent ones. And Alex Trebek, most, most recently. Right. And, but I didn't and know Steve any other. Jobs. Oh, Steve well, Jobs, of course, had the one I had. So Joan Crawford. Joan Jack. Crawford yes. had adenocarcinoma. I believe that's the type of pancreatic cancer wow. she had. I know she died of pancreatic cancer. Jack Benny, Donna Reed. Donna Reed? Donna Reed. From It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Donna Reed. So I'm really close with her, her daughter now. Um, Paul Mitchell, the hair care guy, Pavarotti. Wow. Um, I'm just trying to think. Juliet Prowse. Juliet lost her battle. I can't recall. It was either the month before or month after my mom did. And my mother loved Juliet Prowse. So I was just devastated. And I started making this list. So as my mom went through her journey, and as I saw more and more people coming to this chat board, I thought, okay, something's got to be done. This is crazy. There's not an organization anywhere doing anything about this. And this is the latter part now of 1996. So I had recently watched what had happened with the whole AIDS epidemic. I lost a lot of friends to AIDS back in the day. And I watched 
And when people like Elizabeth Taylor, Michael Jackson, and certainly Magic Johnson, when he proclaimed to the world that he was HIV positive, when they spoke out, people paid attention. So I'm thinking, all right, it's going to take the celebrity voice to get some attention to this disease. But, oh, wait, my list of celebrities have already lost their battle. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're gonna love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Waze new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Waze seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code HEELSQUAD for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code HEELSQUAD. Trust me, you won't regret it. How am I going to use their voices to garner the attention that we need for a disease that has been overlooked for far too long? So I thought, I know, I'll go to their families. And I just one by one by one started connecting the dots. When I wanted to get a hold of somebody from the Paul Mitchell organization, I called their corporate headquarters in Beverly Hills and got... Um, 
John Paul DeJoria's assistant. And she said, oh, you're going to want to talk to Jolena Mitchell. She'd be very interested in hearing what you're going to do. So she put me in touch with Jolena. When I wanted to get in touch with um, Donna Reed's family, I don't recall who made the connection for me, but he, they put me in touch with her husband, Grover, who was out in Palm Desert at the time. And he said, oh, you're going to want to talk to Donna's daughter. And just one by one by one, the connection started happening. So I thought, all right, this is it. And I started posting just some fundraising ideas on the Johns Hopkins website. And this is where it gets a little comical now that I look back. I mean, of course, it wasn't funny at the time. <laughs> but I, I, we laugh about it now. But I get a call. It's probably 6 o'clock in the morning. And it was from a woman at Johns Hopkins. And she said, oh, I was told to call you and let you know that um, you are not allowed to post any fundraising information on the Johns Hopkins website. I said, okay, well, says, says who? She says, well, says Dr. Ralph Rubon, who is the pathologist who provides this site. I said, well, then why don't you have him give me a call? You know, I was mad. You know, they were telling my mother she had months to live and mm -hmm. nothing was being done. So long story short, Dr. Rubon called me the next morning and I said, but I really want to do something something has to happen. He said, well, you know, we've got a doctor here that wants to study early detection for pancreatic cancer, and there are no funds for his lab. And I didn't know that was so not my world. What I did, were you doing at that point? I was actually in the fashion industry um, at the time, and I didn't know anything about it. I did not know that these researchers had to procure their own funding for the work that they were doing, the critical work that they were doing in the lab. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, how much would that be to fund Dr. Goggins' early detection lab so that he doesn't go on to, say, another disease where mm -hmm. maybe there is funding? So they said, we'll have somebody call you. So the next day, I got a call from, they probably thought, oh, we've got a big donor on the other end of the line. <laughs> and it was just me, but I was full of passion and full of grit and determination to do something. So they called me and they said, well, it'll be $400,000. And again, remember, this is in 1996. A lot of money. It was a lot of money. It was more money than I had ever had my hands on back then. And... I said, $400,000, my goodness, what does he need? Like a little table, a microscope, some Petri dishes. Oh, my God. <laughs> he must have thought, oh, my gosh, we've got a lunatic on the other end of the line. So we went back and forth. And I finally said, what is the minimum? If I commit to the 400000 total leap of faith, what is the minimum amount I can give you? To start. To get started so we don't lose Dr. Goggins to another disease. They said $100,000. I said, fine. So I had crafted this idea in my head. I said, I'm going to produce the first ever black dye celebrity gala in Beverly Hills because I wanted to go big. And it's always go big or go home, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to have all the celebrity families there. And at that very moment is when the manifestation started. And you got them there and you raised more than they needed. Barely. Barely. I think we ended up netting, I want to say, one hundred and four dollars or $106,000. That was November 8th, 1998. We got the lab open, and three months later, in February of 1999, I started the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. 
And at this point, you've raised, what, $280 million? Is that correct? That was a statistic I got. Am I getting the bad oh, research? Well, that, that's just for our research efforts. We have raised a lot more money. In okay. fact, I mean, this year we're we're planning on raising, you know, nearly $50 million. We're hoping um, by 2030 that we will be raising $80 million. Wow. And I, of course, have my sights higher <laughs> than that. But um, Unbelievable. Yeah. And it, what's so interesting is from day one, we knew that we couldn't just put money into research, that it was important to come at this disease from with a very comprehensive approach. We knew it was important to fund research, but we also knew it was very important to advocate with the federal government for them to increase the research too. When we started in 1999, the federal government's investment into pancreatic cancer was only $17.3 million. Oh, wow. Now they're up over $180 million, I believe, were the, were the most recent figures. And you got them to up that. Oh, yeah. We have, oh, my gosh. We <laughs> have now thousands. Well, you know what? We've said from the beginning, and it remains true, and we just get better and better and better at it. We don't mind being bold. We don't mind being innovative. We don't even mind being a little bit disruptive to get it done. And in the very beginning, we knew we didn't have the actual money to directly fund researchers, but we knew we had an army of volunteers across the country that had big feet to stomp and big voices to raise. And so we started doing advocacy right out of the gate. And then in 2003, when we had additional and subsequent galas and we had more money, we thought, you know what? we can actually start funding some research now. But then the question was, how do you know which research? Because you can talk to any institution in the country that's doing research in pancreatic cancer. And you've got to remember back then there was hardly anybody doing it. Mm -hmm. Today, thank goodness, there's a, a lot of organizations and institutions that are you know, on board with doing the work to propel progress for pancreatic cancer. But we thought, how will we know what the best science was because we always want to be able to tell our donors that the money that they're investing with us is funding the very best research available at that moment in time as a first-time mom with a baby i'm always on the go whether it's running errands getting my coffee going to doctor's appointments or just spending quality time with little athena and that's why i rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything no matter where i am kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery <laughs> you know for the nighttime hunger moments wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes making them the perfect snack to have literally any time whether i'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or i'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag i do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car at this point when i'm leaving the house i think keys wallet wonderful pistachios <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. So we first partnered with the American Society for Clinical Oncology and used kind of their vetting process. And then we did that, I think, for a couple of years. And then we partnered with the American Association for Cancer Research, AACR, 
and they have a very um, robust, I guess is the word that I'm looking for, vetting process where they invite far and wide researchers to come in, bring us your work, bring us your concept, bring us your ideas. And then it gets reviewed by pretty much a jury of their peers and the best science rises to the top and that's what you fund. Wow. So in 2003, we started actually funding research and we knew that it was critically important to bring young researchers into the field. Because back when we started, there was literally maybe a handful of researchers studying the disease. So all these millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars over these years, what has come of it? We know so much more now than we knew then. And while it never feels like it's happening fast enough for us, if you look back, there's things that we just didn't have a clue. I remember a few years into it, after we had first started funding research, standing at a symposium, listening to one of our researchers talk about the fact that one of the reasons that pancreatic cancer is so hard to hit with any type of therapy is because the pancreatic cancer cells are very, very smart. They build this kind of, he likened it to the rind of a watermelon around it so that basically nothing can get in. Because when they, he's, I'll remember, I'll never forget his words actually. He said, when we cut into that pancreas tumor, it was white on the inside, meaning that there was no blood supply. Oh, wow. Now that is really unusual for a tumor to be able to survive without a blood supply. So it's this micro environment that it builds called the stroma around itself to protect itself. So I remember thinking that day when I stood in the audience listening to him. So wait, you're telling me that there's all these clinical trials over the years that fail, 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 fail. But all that chemo is administered via IV. But if it's going through the blood, expecting to get the, to the tumor, but it can't get past... The watermelon rind. The watermelon rind. Are we supposed to go back now and look at all of those concepts again with a different light? Does something have to be developed that will penetrate that stroma to allow the chemo to get in? And then that subsequently was developed. But that's something that how did we not know that yeah. for all those years? Well, well, isn't there, I mean, there has to be something that you can surgically insert to be able to get treatment in there, in my mind, like a port that will go in the watermelon rind and then deliver medicine. That would be my... You know, our, our researchers would be laughing at us like crazy as we're sitting here talking about the watermelon yeah. rind. Well, and there are some things over the years that have, you know, they've talked about, you know, putting certain, you know, kind of like, quote unquote, like seeds directly into the tumor to try to do it. But nothing has been really proven to be exactly the end all be all. You know, it's... What we know now is that the genetic makeup of a tumor is critically important because just like all tumors in the pancreas are not alike, even with, within the adenocarcinoma, every tumor is different. It's really a matter of taking a look at, and I, I stole this line from one of our science writers who is brilliant, and she always talks about 
looking at kind of what made those cells behave badly to begin with. Mm -hmm. So that's why we do now molecular profiling, or it's called biomarker testing, where we can actually take, and when I say we, we just, you know, coordinate it to happen, obviously. Um, but if we can look at tissue from the actual tumor, and we can determine, are there any specific mutations in play, we can then match it up to treatment protocols where maybe a chemo was developed, and it could be for something completely different from mm -hmm. pancreatic cancer. But it's more about taking a look at what the, the particular chemo was developed to hit as opposed to a chemo that was developed for pancreatic cancer. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's like, and the, the days have got to be over soon where we just throw chemo at patients and hope something sticks. That's the, the worst because you just, it's like quality of life too, if it's not something that's really gonna work. And I remember with my mom's brain tumor, the same thing, there were some different medicines that work in different areas and, and different cancers and stuff that we had in our back pocket ready to use because mm -hmm. of her, her um, tumor profile when they tested everything, I forget what it was called. But um, but I'd love for you to share with everybody what the different pancreas cancers are so that everybody can understand the difference between adenocarcinoma, neuroendocrine tumors, and also these tumors, like you said, they're all different. I know with mine, the neuroendocrine tumor, it didn't secrete anything. Like they kept testing to see what it was secreting and it didn't secrete anything. So what does that mean? I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, and I think everybody's tumor is a little bit different, but the the biggest difference between the adenocarcinoma and the neuroendocrine, I mean, there's the pancreas basically has two functions. It creates pancreatic enzymes or, or digestive enzymes through, you know, from the pancreas. And it also controls your blood sugar. So when you take a look at like neuroendocrine, that is developed from the endocrine part of the pancreas. The tail. Uh, is well, it's, the not, tail? it's, it's not no. necessarily the location. It oh, can happen okay. anywhere, but it's just part of the endocrine part of the, the pancreas. Um, and the adenocarcinoma is with the exocrine part of the pancreas, where so the, I hope I don't get these confused, like one of them controls the blood sugars, like it controls the hormones. That's the neuroendocrine. Okay, that's so that's the neuroendocrine, um, just to keep your blood sugar levels great, because otherwise you, you know, become diabetic. Mm -hmm. And then with the um, exocrine, it actually then controls um, the the other portion of you know the digestive enzymes and things that are really important to how our body functions so many times after surgery once once the pancreas has been compromised many times the patients are then required to be on some kind of digestive enzyme just to make it easier for the body to function mm -hmm. and neuroendocrine tumors i know that there's a lot of confusion around them where some people don't think it's cancer. I had to ask my doctor because they just kind of 
were so awkward about it. I think they were scared to say it to me. I don't know what was happening. I'm like, mm -hmm. do I have cancer? I just need to know. <laughs> and he was like, yes, it's a form of cancer. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you for, for explaining. I need to understand. But then I had a doctor in here last week and he's like, no, it's not a cancer. So, you know, you can talk to different people. And I think the majority of the field agrees that yes, a neuroendocrine tumor is indeed cancer. And the way we look at it is we deal with cancers of the pancreas, whether they're neuroendocrine or they're the you know more common adenocarcinoma. I mean, because only less than 10% of the patients that get diagnosed are diagnosed with the neuroendocrine. And just to give you a difference, like all of pancreatic cancers overall, the five-year survival rate, we now have up to 12%. I mean, it was 4% when my mom was diagnosed. But for the neuroendocrine, the five-year survival rate is more like 53%. Mm -hmm. So it's a much more manageable cancer. But the reality is, is that today we have patients that were diagnosed stage four, given three to six months, that are celebrating 10 years out. That was my favorite thing I learned on our PSA shoot day because I really, I, all we have is hope. Exactly. Our faith and our hope in these situations. And when you go to the doctor and they look at you like they looked at you and your mom, mm -hmm. there's no hope there. And so I loved hearing that because we need a goalpost now. I always say we don't know what God has in store for us or the universe if you don't believe in God. For me, it's God. We don't know how the story is going to end. Mm -hmm. It might be your time or your friend or your family member's time. Right. But what's the harm in having hope and, and having some faith that maybe you could be that one person that makes it right. to 10 years? That's how I felt with my mom. I never looked at the statistics for glioblastoma, stage four brain cancer. I was like, how are we going to figure this out? How are we not going to be a statistic? And she got five years. And so for me, those five years were filled with moments and chats and important, important, you know, times that we wouldn't have otherwise had. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love hearing with pancreatic cancer, there's hope because the first thing I thought of when they told me I had a tumor in the pancreas, I was like, oh, I'm dead. That's it. Because that's that all we breaks know. my heart that oh, you... It was awful. Uh, I had a baby on the way. I was right. like, this is a nightmare. How can this happen? Um, so, you know, I love spreading hope and I'm, I'm so grateful to hear that. So what did those patients do, you think, that helped them have that outcome? Well, in some cases, it's because, you know, when they did the biomarker testing or molecular profiling, like I said, it's called called both of those. They determined, like, you know, one friend of mine in Atlanta, she had a BRCA mutation. And, you know, the BRCA mutation can be responsible for not just pancreatic cancer, but ovarian breast. cancer, breast cancer, which is was originally known for, but also prostate cancer in men. So once they found out that she had that, they were able to provide her with targeted therapy that we now know hits that specific mutation. And it so, was able to penetrate the watermelon rind. Well, because there's also something that has been created now, and I, I don't 
know the name of that particular drug, but there's a drug out there that can be given in conjunction with that that will help to penetrate the wow. stroma. So I tell patients all the time that, yeah, there's statistics out there and there's stati they are just statistics, okay? I mean, is it a tough disease? Yes, it's a tough disease. But when I can tell you that I know at least a handful of patients that were diagnosed stage four that are celebrating now many, many years out, every single person... Sorry, that's my... That's my blood sugar monitor telling me my blood sugar is doing something naughty. Oh, uh -oh. it's going up. Okay, blood sugar. Tell it to go me. back down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, blood sugar. Hold on, let me change my alert so it of doesn't inter interfere with us again. Okay. So, but what I was going to say, I didn't mean to interrupt no. you, but I think this is a really important point for your listeners to hear. Every person that gets diagnosed, whether it's pancreatic cancer or anything else, you are a statistic of one. One. And everybody just needs to think about the work that is being done. And there's so much work being done in pancreatic cancer now. So much work because it's, it's not like it was 27 years ago when I looked and there was not a single organization. There are so many organizations now, not just here in the United States, but all over the world. I mean, we helped to launch the World Pancreatic Cancer Coalition as well. And we have over 100 member organizations, I believe in now 39 countries. So we're, we're bringing so much awareness and we don't know what's not right around the corner. Yeah. With the patients that are in 10 years, are they living normal lives? I, I think everybody's different. Mm -hmm. I think we have to just remind ourselves that everybody is different. And for the couple of people that I personally know, yeah, pretty much. Um, I think it's important that anybody that has been diagnosed with, you know, any type of cancer or significant issue in their body, that not to get complacent about it. You know, and with my own story, I mean, it's been now 20 years since I got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. I go in every year. Mm -hmm. And when they tell me, oh, you can come back in two years, I said, no, thank you. Let's just make my appointment for, you have to be your own best advocate, yeah. which is another, and I think you do such a great job of doing that for yourself and educating everybody that is going to listen to you that it's so important to be your own best advocate. Thank you. So I'm thankful for your voice. Thanks. Yeah, I think, you know, if someone is newly diagnosed, so say someone's listening to this and they or their family member or friend who's just diagnosed with adenocarcinoma, what would you share with them advice-wise, insight-wise? That's easy. I would say you are a statistic of one, Next step, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Call a case manager at PanCan's patient services right away. Because I tell people that it is incredibly important for anybody going through a pancreatic cancer journey to have one of our case managers occupy a seat at their care table. Mm. It's a no-cost service that we provide for patients. I mean, we own and manage the most up-to-date clinical trial database for pancreatic cancer in the world now. We have information on, you know, everything pertaining to pancreatic cancer, whether it's nutrition, whether it's, you know, our guide to what questions to ask your doctor. 
a case manager will be at their side, I mean, just figuratively, um, at their side for every step along the way. If your doctor has given you information that maybe you don't fully understand, you can call our, our case managers. And you get the same case manager every time. It's like a patient management They're system. They're assigned to you. They're assigned to you. And if for any reason somebody has, you know, is not in for the day or maybe they've moved to another position, that the next person can pick it up and go from right where the other one left off. And they help you through the journey, help you make decisions and all of that. Well, they give you, they don't help you make decisions per se, but they will give you all of the information so that the patient and their family could make informed decisions. That's so great. We've got a survivor and caregiver network that if somebody wanted to talk to another survivor, and by the way, a survivor to us, if you were diagnosed yesterday and you're here today, you are a survivor and you are a warrior and you are strong. And that's just how we look at it. But sometimes people would like to talk to somebody else going through it. So we have a matching service and for the caregivers as well. There's so much we can do. And if somebody calls in and has a question that our case managers don't have the answer at their fingertips, they will do the research, get that information and get back to the patient and their family. Again, so it's so amazing. Friends, before we continue on with Pam, I just want to share with you, of course, one of our amazing supporters of this show, Macy's. Um, they have free personal stylists that I highly recommend you take advantage of. Styling is very challenging for all of us. And I know for me, uh, I always was very underconfident as I was putting things together. And throughout the years being in this industry, working with stylists, I've had kind of accrued benefits of learning and gaining confidence. So if you are where I was at and you want a little bit of help or you want to get out of a rut, reach out. Macy's has free personal stylists that will help you put looks together. And you can just go to macy's.com forward slash personal stylist. It is totally free. So take advantage. And of course, you guys know I have my link macy's.com forward slash heel squad with all of my picks for fall. There's some you know, vacation things if any of you are going on vacation as well and gifts coming up for the holidays. So check it out. Anything you buy through that link supports us um, here on Heel Squad to keep bringing you this content and continue to do this work. So thank you very much. We love you guys and we appreciate you and your support. So let's continue on with Pam. <clears throat> what I love is I've been doing that job for people since I was recovering from brain surgery, but for brain tumors. Mm -hmm. So when the cover of People magazine came out sharing our story, people reached out saying, I just found out I have one because of you. And so I would coach them and help them through their journey. Similar to what you're saying, the PanCan team does for right. people helping them get second opinions, getting them with the best doctors, connecting them, doing all this stuff, like over 100 patients at this point. Oh, my gosh. Called myself a fake doctor. But no, you're just an angel in disguise. <laughs> but what's crazy is I, I, I knew that people needed to hear from me because I'd gone through it. That's, as you say, talking to a survivor, talking to someone who's gone through it. Um, but now and and then it started happening by the way in the midst of me having a neuroendocrine tumor randomly people started reaching out and saying my friend just got diagnosed with a neuroendocrine tumor can you help her and i couldn't tell anybody at the time what i was going through 
And I'm like, this is just weird and wild that this is happening right now. So I'm starting to share certain things. Um, but I'm, I never knew that these places kind of existed, even as maybe sophisticated as I am in, in health or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we all, when we get a diagnosis like this, it is so terrifying. Our worlds just stop. But at the same time, we have so many responsibilities to keep up with. We can't get on the phone to even figure that part out. So I'm grateful to know you guys exist. Now I can send people over to PanCan. Um, but I want to encourage everyone who's listening to reach out for that help because I've been trying to help as many people individually as I can over these years. Um, and I know how helpful it's been for people, but I, I, like I said, I, I didn't know that these things existed. I had friends who were like, oh, you can talk to this person or a doctor would try to connect us with someone. And it was so overwhelming and I had support around me mm-hmm. um, and I didn't even get to call half of these people. So I really, really encourage you guys to just make that one call and um, and get some assistance on the team. And we can even share a link to that number Absolutely. in the summary of this episode. And that's giving me the thumbs up so that you guys can do it really easily for your friend or family member. Yeah, that would be terrific because we know that patients that have a case manager on their care team have a much better chance only because, you know, and, and our case managers are not medical professionals, I'll tell you that, but they have have very heavy science backgrounds. They're providing information, like I said, that can be taken back to the doctor That can be, you know, like when we run a clinical trial search for somebody, we give them a whole list of clinical trials that they, they themselves in their particular case are eligible for. And then they can take that back to their physician and determine what's going to be best for them. So we're kind of that supplemental information portal. In fact, Mm -hmm. speaking of portals, we actually have a portal for the physicians into our for the top tra- physicians, yeah, ab- absolutely. The physician to help we- you find a physician, basically, right? Well, Is that no, no, what you mean? For, for the clinical trials, okay. for our clinical trial database, we can provide. If somebody's physician says, "Oh, hey, I'd like to go into that database that PanCan has," we have a portal that we can provide to the physicians. Oh, that's great. So, well, it's nice to have um, some expert that can help that knows the landscape so pancan obviously has so much money invested in this you guys know the landscape for me my big resource when i was helping people find the best doctor or um, or any of that was entertainment industry foundation Mm -hmm. and the stand-up cancer folks so i would reach out and say hey lisa paulson who's the best doctor in kentucky or in the kentucky area for this person and so she would get back to me you know because the other thing we talk about on this show is not every doctor is the best doctor. Yeah, and not in every situation. You have to do the research on the doctor, just like you get quotes, multiple quotes on your new floors you're going to put in your house or your new windows right. or your car you're going to buy. We don't do that for health because we instantly assume anyone with a lab coat is is God, is perfect, is amazing. So you want to be in the best hands. And you want the best clinical research. You want to know what the best 
routes to take are or what's been successful with other people. Sometimes the doctor you might be going to might not know all of that. Right. And just because somebody's an oncologist, they may specialize in breast cancer or a different type of cancer. So a patient can call into us and, you know, we'll ask a few, you know, questions like, you know, what are their geographical boundaries? Some people will call and say, I don't care where I want to go. Other people will say, I need to stay within, you know, with a re- a, within a reasonable amount of time of my home. And we will send a list. We, we never send just one name because we want people to have options. We will always send a list of top physicians that specialize in pancreatic cancer because it's so important, especially if there's a possibility somebody might be eligible for surgery. I mean, do you want to go to a surgeon that's performed like one, say, Whipple in his lifetime? Oh my God, that's the thing, Pam, nobody thinks about. Right, exactly. When I was coaching people through brain surgery, I'm like, how many surgeries has your doctor performed? And they have no idea. And by the way, I didn't know all this stuff either. I had to learn it and figure it out too. How so you know to no shame on anybody, but right. I'm sharing it so that you don't have to go through that. But I would say how many? And they're like, I don't know. Then they'd go back and I'd hear 200, 250. And I'm like, do you want someone who's done 250 brain surgeries? Or do you want someone who's done 1,000 or 2,000? Right. My doctor's done 5,000. So you have to ask these questions, but we're all so scared to ask. What, what do you say to the person who's scared to ask their doctor questions like this? Well, I think, first of all, everybody needs to know that they need to kind of, whatever it is, if they're waving that magic wand in front of their own face, to know that they need to take the power. It is their life. It is their body. They need to take the power. And by calling in and getting together with one of our case managers, we will encourage you. We will give you permission to take that power because we're all about empowering people with knowledge, with information. People don't, and a lot of times, yeah, maybe people are afraid to ask the questions mm-hmm. because so many people take the word of their doctor as the gospel. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm, been, I'm st- I still have a hard time. I yeah. do it because I know it's the right thing to do, but I'm sharing this so everybody knows. I, it's still hard for me too. But I'm fighting that. Right. It's And it's tough because we're so used to it. It's been ingrained to mm-hmm. us that these are the experts. Like you said, if they've got that white coat on, they know mm-hmm. what they're doing. But in so many situations, you want to know the person that really is experienced in knowing what they're doing. And that's why, like I said, it's so important. Like I, in a perfect world, this is in a perfect world, and this is, I know all of PanCan's dream, is that every person that gets a diagnosis of pancreatic cancer of of any type, that their their physician will say, and here is a number to call PanCan and get a case manager on your team. That is the goal. We have many, many doctors all across the country that do that. But not enough until the day that we have everybody empowering their patients mm-hmm. by giving them the information to build out their care team. That's where the power comes in. So we just shot a PSA to help people understand that early detection can lead to better results. What are the things that people can do to, to increase their success with this? Well, first of all, if people have 
a history of pancreatic cancer in their family, we definitely suggest that people get genetic testing. It used to be, I mean, the national guidelines used to be that you, before they would suggest genetic testing, that you needed to have like two direct relatives that had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. They actually changed that again. The NCCN, which is the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, and they're the ones that establish all the guidelines for physicians all across the country. Um, they now say if you have even just one first-degree relative with pancreatic cancer, you should go get genetic testing. It's knowledge. And I talk to people all the time. They're like, but I don't want to know. I'm afraid. And, and that's natural. I mean, that's a natural human reaction. But just I want everybody to know that knowledge really is power, be especially with pancreatic cancer, because many times the symptoms are so vague or they're symptoms that you could attribute to other ailments. Mm -hmm. But if you happen to know that you had a specific mutation, even if you didn't know that if your relative that had pancreatic cancer had that or not, but if you know that, it's just one more tool in your toolbox that when you go to a doctor and say, hey, I've got mid-back pain that's not going away, or I've had this crazy indigestion, and it sometimes it's a combination of things, but oh yeah, and by the way, I have XYZ mutation because I had my genetic testing done, it's going to cause that physician to take pause and it's going to give you the power to kind of insist on, hey, how about we rule out something in my pancreas first instead of last? I push my doctors all the time Me too. for myself because I have stuff going on in my own pancreas and I don't mind sharing that. Um, but what my, do you have with your pancreas? Well, about six years ago, I ended up um, going to the ER and completely unrelated thing, but it caused them to do some imaging. And when the physician came out and he said, yeah, I, I took a look, we scanned like all three areas of your back. We even scanned your, your internal organs. And besides that cyst on your pancreas, I'm like, what? And my husband was with me and I said, um, hand him my business card. And when he looked and saw you know, that I work with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. He said, you had no idea that that cyst was there, did you? And I said, no, I didn't. Well, what that CAT scan showed is one cyst. When I got back home here to LA, um, a subsequent MRI showed two cysts, and then I had an endoscopic ultrasound that showed three cysts and a lesion on my pancreas. And that just shows the difference in three scan. cysts on the pancreas and, and a lesion? lesion on my stomach. Okay. And the thing to remember, though, is, and I heard this from so many of our researchers, they kept reassuring me, Pam, don't worry, there are like 6 million people walking around on this earth with cysts on their, with pancreas. Cysts in their pancreas, and most times they never even know. Huh. But when your mom died of pancreas cancer, that's what I the say. The paranoia well, just goes through the roof. Well, because I want to be proactive. I don't want to be that person that ignored things and didn't take the bull by the horns, and then it ends up being something bad that I may have been able to head off at the past. So what did you do? Well, so I, from that time, like I said, that was six years ago. And for the first couple years, we were alternating every six months, like an MRI 
one six months, and then the next six month period, we would do an endoscopic ultrasound. When the pandemic hit, my physicians came to me and said, you know, we're not really comfortable doing something as invasive as an endoscopic ultrasound, you know, during this pandemic, would you be okay if we just did the the MRI? And I said, yeah, actually, because I've been stable this whole time, mm-hmm. so it's fine. So, and then when I got to a certain point, I can't remember, maybe it was the five-year mark, they said, well, you know, you could just, we could start doing it once a year instead of every six months. And I, because really the surveillance protocol is once a year. Yeah. It really is. But for, for you with a history, you have to be careful. Because like, it wasn't just my mom. We <clears throat> think there's a possibility that her father may have died of pancreatic cancer as well. Um, it says on his death certificate, stomach cancer, but it, this was back in the early 80s. Well, now you got the stomach lesion too, so... Yeah, and by the way, that turned out to be nothing because during one of the endoscopic procedures, they they took that out Got and they it. tested okay. it, and that was nothing. So that's that's Thank a God. really good news on that. Oh my but gosh. Um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like I'm I'm going to be that pushy girl, that you know, let them tell me absolutely not, and they better give me a really good reason why not. So yeah. my doctors order it up for me every six months, um, and so. Will you share with everyone the symptoms they should look out for for pancreatic cancer? You know, and like I said, they could be vague. It could be middle of the back pain because your pancreas sits be- between like your stomach and your spine. Mm-hmm. And so it's like for women like bra line. So our stomach is right under our breastbone basically, right? right? So behind your stomach is your pancreas. And yeah. then the next thing you hit is your spine. So it makes sense. If there's something growing on your pancreas, that it could start affecting some nerve endings in your spine. So if you have mid back pain that doesn't go away with the, like the normal treatments, whether it's whatever you might take for that or, or physical therapy or whatever, it could be that. It could be nausea. It could be indigestion. It could be, you know, in cases that are further along where maybe the tumor starts pushing on the bile duct. People could become jaundice, the yellowing of the eyes. Um, there's, but most of those things are very vague. Mm-hmm. So it's well, and we've been taught to just go to CVS or Rite Aid and just get something to fix everything. Right, fix the back cream with some, the back with some back cream or a back support or ice or, you know, and and take you know, and this for that, like, there's always some band aid that we're used to putting on things. And we never think I would have never in a million years thought I would have had any of the things that I got. Right. And you like, I don't want to create any mass panic out there because it's just being aware, right? Most of the time, that indigestion or the back pain or whatever is just simple, it can be fixed, it can be remedied. But if it's chronic, but if it's chronic, if it doesn't go away after you've done all the things, Mm -hmm. That's when you need to be paying attention. And especially if you have a history in your family of pancreatic cancer, or if some of the other, you know, if you have any of the comorbidities, if you're a smoker, if obesity is a comorbidity, we know that um, there's a higher rate of incidence in the African-American community. We know there's a higher rate of incidence in the Ashkenazi or Eastern European Jewish community, which my family is, which is why I was a little more worried and I'm a little more aggressive about what I request from my doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So you have to kind of know those things. I mean, diarrhea, constipation, all of those things. Yeah, Again, and- normalized things. Because I, but I kept doing the stool tests, even though I hated doing them. I kept right. trying, but they don't test for pancreas cancer. Right. But they those- test for different bacterias and things. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like if those things don't go away with the normal treatments. And some of those things can point to other things. But it's it's kind of like if you have those things and they become chronic, that's when you start pushing your doctor for answers. And for me, I always say, let's rule out worst case scenario first instead of looking for it last. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I agree. Pam, thank you so much. Um, I'm really proud to be a part of the PanCan awareness posse and um, and so grateful for the incredible work that you've done and that the group has done to help advance research and advocacy for patients. And now I know that I don't have to shoulder a lot of this myself. I can just send them over to PanCan. That's right. That's right. And, <laughs> and they're going to be way better than me. <laughs> Well, you know, and I have to tell you, we are so tremendously grateful for you stepping up to be our campaign ambassador for our November awareness campaign. It's your voice is going to really help propel progress for this, Maria. I just want you to know from my heart, on behalf of all of PanCan, thank you so very much. Oh, you make me cry. I know we're both going to be (laughs) crying, but it's like we appreciate you and we appreciate your voice because it's about awareness. The more we can talk about it, the more aware we can make people because it may not hit them, but it may be a neighbor. It may be a relative. It may be their favorite checker at the grocery store. It's all about awareness. Yeah. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And hope and faith. Absolutely. And getting a pan can team member on your your team to help you through it. Um, Pam, thank you so much. All right. I hope this sheds some light on what this disease is and the different types of categories pancreas cancer uh, has and what's being done behind the scenes to help your loved ones or you. Um, And I, I hope it gives you hope. And I hope now that you also know that there's an organization out there that you can reach out to that will hold your hand and help you through. And I uh, just want to say um, it's, it's definitely a tough diagnosis, but there are people there to help you through. And so I hope that PanCan will be that group for you. And I wish you all the best. Love you all. In the meantime, be nice people. Make good choices and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.
Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.